Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is Stephen, and I've got another follow-up episode for you today. Aiden Roberts is back on the podcast. Aiden was on the podcast in episode 142. We talked about training for Alphane V17 and loads of other great stuff. I really loved that conversation with Aiden. It seems like many of you loved it as well. And in that conversation, I promised to do a round two with Aiden and tackle patron questions. I got a bunch of really good questions from you guys who support the show, and we decided not to cover those in the first episode and instead to do a full listener Q&A. And here it is, as promised. We got to sit down and record again a couple weeks ago, and we had a proper geek out about cutting edge bouldering. It was so much fun. We talked for almost three hours. The full version of this episode, this bonus episode is three hours long. The full thing is available for patrons right now. People who support the podcast for $5 per month or more. That's how these follow-ups work. I'm going to give you a free teaser today so you can get a little taste and see if it seems interesting. This is definitely one for the geeks, but for those of you who want to hear the full thing, the full version is available right now for patrons who support the show. It takes just a few minutes to sign up at patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app, and you can cancel at any time no questions asked. I've also started releasing the uncut video interviews of many of these follow-up episodes. So I have an uncut video version of this conversation with Aiden if you would rather watch the video. But yeah, the full thing is available right now. I'm going to give you about 35 minutes of the conversation for free as a little teaser. And in the full thing, we talked a lot about cutting edge bouldering. Aiden's thoughts on whether there's a limit on human potential for bouldering and for the hardest moves that people can possibly do. We talked about some of the futuristic projects that Aiden has already tried in Switzerland and that Aiden has been training for and plans to go back and try this spring. These are futuristic projects that are probably in the V18 range. So super interesting to hear about that. And we tackled a bunch of really great questions from you guys, from patrons who support the show. And some of the topics we talked about with those questions were Burden of Dreams, whether Aiden has sent the Burden of Dreams replica and an update on that, how hard the moves are on Burden of Dreams. We talked about board climbing and some of the recommendations that Aiden has for you guys as far as training on a board is concerned. We talked about finger strength and how strong Aiden's fingers are. We talked a little bit more about high angle crimping and how he got so good at that. We talked about the workout that Aiden does every week to keep his fingers feeling healthy. That was really interesting. We talked about general training and how he's discovered his weaknesses and how he's addressing them. We talked about his flexibility routine. We talked about his nutrition and his lifestyle and how he's making a living and much more. This was a Q&A, but we also let the conversation wander in lots of different directions. And as always, I had a really great time talking to Aiden. He's one of the best climbers in the world, and it's just always fun to hear how someone as accomplished and as competent as him thinks about the future and thinks about what it's going to take to go to the next level 
in climbing. So I hope you guys enjoy this free teaser. Once again, the full version is almost three hours long, two hours and 53 minutes and 31 seconds long to be exact. And you can get the full thing right now by signing up for Patreon for $5 per month or more. All right, enjoy the teaser and I'll talk to you on the other side. Where are you? You're, you've, uh, you've been busy since I talked to you last. We recorded in October and now we're talking in late January. And uh, yeah. you sent Alfane, which, which, you know, I've, I've emailed you and, and texted you but, or, uh, or sent you an Instagram message. But congratulations. Um, uh-huh. Thank you. So glad that worked <laughs> out. That was about two weeks after our first interview. And then it seems like you've moved to Sheffield and have set up a new base camp in Sheffield. So you've been busy. But uh, yeah, no, it's, but yeah, uh, it's, good knowledge. I actually, we've gone full circle. I'm, I did my interview in this. I'm in the lakes at the moment, uh, okay. <laughs> which is where we first did our interview. Um, but I've just uh, just come up. I came up last night from Sheffield. It's actually not so far. It's like uh, two and a half hours, three hours kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I had like my training season in Sheffield. So yeah, uh, when we last spoke, I was just like doing my final prep before Switzerland had that month long trip there uh came back from that and uh had a couple of weeks training at home building up a bit of a base phase and then had uh pretty much december and as much as we had in january in like a high volume uh work capacity get really tired kind of phase Mm. and i'm right at the tail end of that now Uh, and then i'm actually tapering for about three weeks uh, before heading back out to europe to uh yeah, that'll be a three-month gap. My day's reset, so I can uh, have a three-month trip in Europe should uh, should I like to. I haven't nice. got so many plans, but free-flowing. But yeah, free that's flying, been okay. the, the, the schedule. Um, it's been good being based in Sheffield, actually. It's been nice. Uh, I think you, you interviewed my coach, Ollie. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, 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 I did. At, at the time we're recording this, it hasn't published yet, but it will have by the time this comes out. Um, I'm actually working on that episode for for this coming Monday. But yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I talked to Ollie for about three hours. It was amazing, and uh, I did the same thing to him that I did to you, which was like less than 15 minutes into our interview. I was like, "Would you be willing to do another one of these?" <laughs> so i can just selfishly ask you all my questions and then we can do a listener q a later on Uh, but he was he was awesome it was really fun to to chat with him yeah no he's a good guy isn't he uh yeah no he's um he's it's been really nice training with him i've never despite i've worked with him for like three years or so but um never really had like i've just seen him in dribs and drabs to have like uh, i have like he joins in the training that i do um and a couple of times a week we have sessions and it's been good. Like, um, does help to, I'm like, I've over the last few years, I've definitely had like somewhat of, um, uh, not relatively similar or like, I maybe had like perceptions of my own climbing and like how much my body can handle, uh, which are maybe, uh, more conjecture than, um, reality. And so like, it's good to have someone there to be like, yeah, yeah, you can actually keep doing this. So like kind of mm. easy to stay motivated for the less interesting parts of training as well. Mm. Um, it's almost like the acute fatigue is almost a source of comedy between us when we're, <laughs> when we're training together, which is quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine that um, that real-time feedback from a coach is just so val- valuable too. I mean, you can check in so many times within one session versus 
working with Ollie remotely, it's I'm, I'm a, I imagine you're checking in, you know, maybe on a daily basis, but probably less often than that. But you know, doing an doing yeah. an exercise and saying like, "Hey, any thoughts? You know, give me some feedback in this moment," and then doing it on your next set or you know, implementing those changes right away. That, that sounds really valuable. Yeah yeah. 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 No, definitely helpful, and it's definitely been distance for a few years. Like it'd be a case of like I'd send him some videos or like it would be very much his like he would very see very much see my interpretation of the sensation of training less like the I think that's one of the great things about having a coach and kind of like same in other avenues of life right like it's like an outside perspective which is like aside from your own self-perception of what you're doing Uh, Mm. so like it kind of like if he only lives like only experiences my climbing through my own description of climbing like unlikely to learn as much so it's definitely Mm. been helpful um helpful to have to be training with with him as well um and yeah fun just to be seeing people you know (laughs) yeah totally yeah i'm curious to dig into that later just the the change in dynamics from you know you're used to being on your own board and you're in your little shed um and what it's felt like to to have more team sessions with um, um, with Jim Pope and, and some of these other strong people that are around the Sheffield area. What is your setup? I mean, did you just move there for a couple months for the training or are you, you know, half based there, half based in the lakes? Are you just visiting your parents right now? Like what what is the setup with, with where you're living these days? Yeah, so uh, in the lakes, um, I actually grew up in this house. Um, so um, my parents, uh, my mum lives here. Um, and so like, I've kind of like had that as my base over the last few years, like, but we'll probably be here about half the time kind of thing. Um, cause then I move around in my van, um, quite a bit, uh, a van in a city, I think, well, I'm especially UK city in winter in a van, I think would be rather austere. So, um, <laughs> rather austere. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. It sounds really rough. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Lonely so, and cold um, and wet. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, and my friend Jim Pope, um, who I've done loads of climbing with in, um, in the past many years, uh, I've known really well. Um, he a room came up in his house, um, uh, so I've just been renting that for the last uh, few months. And I actually lived with Jim. I got to know Jim most actually like five or six years ago uh in my gap year um i did like a little training season in sheffield as well before like the comp season um when i lived with jim then it's when i got to know him best really um and it worked really well as a setup. like obviously our paths have changed quite a lot since then at that point we were both like comp mode uh i'm definitely more outdoor mode he's kind of like loves the outdoor mode but is like He's been disciplined with his like comp focus. Um, so our training is a bit different, but um, I, I knew I got on well with him. Uh, and it's a easy living dynamic. Yeah, we got on well. Nice. And, um, well, yeah, I've come back from the wall doing all his comp blocks and I'll get off the board on all my little small crimps and yeah, <laughs> can, uh, <laughs> can uh, yeah, reminisce about old trips <laughs> but no nice. it's nice yeah it just it was a good timing yeah it's been nice to base myself there and um yeah it's actually quite a funny idea like as in 
there's such a high proportion of climbers in Sheffield and there's a lot of comp climbers, but like just like maybe just people where climbing plays such like a significant role in their life. Like it's always felt like, I mean, it is quite weird, but like in kind of like a way in which I'm quite like, I'm very content with like the fact that we like dedicate so much of our energy into this like endeavor, which is kind of like funny and um, a bit strange. Uh, but like I've often always like uh, when I've spent time in the lakes as well, the time I that is distinct from the training and the actual climbing is often like pretty obviously distinct and I'm doing quite uh, quite like the time I'm not training. It's like I'm not really talking about it or like living it that much, which is kind of nice as well to like compartmentalize mm. these things in life. Um, but it's quite funny going to Sheffield and like the amount of people I know there who like just like live and uh, breathe climbing. Like it's like, mm. it's funny. Like it, you spend all the social socializing I do is with climbers and like kind of everyone's kind of living, but there's almost like camaraderie in that in mm. a nice way. Um, right. Uh, so it's yeah, very different. It's a different relationship with climbing. Definitely when I'm spending my time there, but it's been quite good because, um, this last couple of months I've put a lot more and like more energy into my training than I have in, uh, than I have before. I think, um, mm. I've definitely put a lot more into it and it's been nice actually. Uh, it's been rewarding in that the correlation between my like energy investment and returns has actually been quite positive. So nice. Um, awesome. I've definitely got more out of it than I have, have done in the past as well. So, um, I'm pretty tired at the moment. Uh, right at the end of like intense phase, um, yeah, yeah. but it's been really, yeah, it's been really promising, and uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to applying it to the rocks. Yeah, I, I um, I'm tempted to to just be greedy again and just ask you all my own questions. I do want to. I have a whole list of uh, listener questions in front of me, so I want to get to those sooner rather than later. Uh, but that does yeah, make yeah. me curious. You're talking about training for this upcoming three month trip to Europe, and in our last conversation, um a big theme was specificity, how valuable it has been to be really, really specific with your training. You were training for Alphane, you had a replica. A lot of your supplemental training was around the type of leg tension and squeezing and, and things that you needed for that climb. Do you have a specific goal that you've been focusing on with all this training in the last couple months? Or um, is it just generally improving at, at certain things? Yeah, do you have a, do you have a goal for the... I guess the the second half of the winter that you're focusing on. Yeah, um, I definitely have goal. It's definitely it's a good point because um, definitely at that point I was like spe uh, at the point where I spoke to you last specificity was definitely king in uh, my training uh, schedule. I think part of that was out of necessity as well, and that I was juggling like injury, illness, and like um, was like kind of doing with what I like working with what I could. Uh, and so like almost like that specificity was like necessary to um, be in shape when maybe the preparation wasn't ideal. Mm. Um, things have been going more to plan this time, um, <laughs> touch wood. Um, <laughs> and there's definitely like things that I've been working on. So like uh, since I tried Burden like a year and a half ago, um, I wasn't climbing so well at the time or like, uh, I was definitely 
um, in less good shape, but then also it was like really apparent of like that maybe my movement pattern was a limitation. So like moving more powerfully and like my, the quintessential style I like of like moving slowly and statically between holds and being very controlled doesn't work so well for that climb. Um, so it's been in like diversifying from that, like much slower static climbing has definitely been something I've had in mind over mm. the last, um, uh, kind of like inspired by that problem that that was like kind of one of the, like one of the first or like one of the obvious problems I've tried where like that has become obviously it's a limitation for me. Mm. Um, so that was really helpful in that, um, it definitely catalyzed a bit of like, uh, proactivity in like developing that. And, um, so I've had a lot of that incorporated into my like training. I guess it's that, that like power, like that movement pattern stuff. It's quite interesting. Cause it's like, obviously partly of it is physical, but it's very neurological as well. And like, um, there's, it's a lot more complex than just like an exercise translating well. So I've actually had that in corp like that, um, more like power-based uh training incorporated into like my off-world training for like quite a long time and haven't really seen it apply that well until more recent times um and so that's definitely been part of the focus of this phase is definitely like more that power um uh definitely over the last like month and a half or so it's been much more of a, like a power phase um or like this style i've been like working a lot on my work capacity um which i've definitely had it in my mind over the last few years that i'm like a high intensity low volume kind of works well for me or like i'm that kind of climber kind of thing which i definitely challenge in this phase um definitely did a lot more than i thought a lot more volume than i thought i my body would have been able to do hmm. um but obviously to compensate for the amount of volume i've been like not operating on as smaller holds all the time because obviously that's pretty bad like pretty risky in terms yeah you of injury. can't just combine um, the two necessarily yeah yeah move yeah yeah i can't just increase volume and power operating on the same size holds without expecting mm -hmm. <laughs> rather drastic results um so definitely have been increasing hold size just for safety within that and uh and then like more powerful movements have been incorporated into into that which i've seen a lot of improvements in actually um and more recently uh well i can dive into the things i'd like to try um but i do have projects which are like much more finger intensive as well and so it was interesting for me because i've been operating a lot more on like bigger holds and like generating more power on the bigger holds um and more like high volume stuff uh intrigue into whether like that was at detriment to operating on just like very small holds um so in the last like uh week or so uh i've been uh kind of almost kind of testing uh like boulders which like i've tried which like the size of the hold is the limiting factor and it's actually been really interesting to see how much improvement i've actually made even though i haven't been working specifically on oh that, wow um has been really good um and i guess it makes sense right like i'm not talking about like hauling on jugs like the holds i'll be operating on will still be like 
on your final pad. So like if you're just generating more force through a, a hold, which is like most of your pad as opposed to like the very end of it, like there's going to be transferable like finger strength. Mm. Um, and also just being like more comfortable moving quicker. You obviously need to gain less stability in a position. So like a hold can be worse as well. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, it's been nice to see that that hasn't been a detriment to what would usually be like my quintessential climbing style. Um, so it has been like, definitely specificity hasn't been the same. Um, uh, but part of that is because, uh, I've got like a, a lot more kind of like projects in mind. Um, and it's cause I've got a long time. Uh, I'm less like soul focused. Um, uh, so like a bit of that variety is going to be, and it's a long trip. Mm-hmm. So like being too specific too soon, I think would be that da- like potentially detrimental. Like, as in like, if I'm taking a three month trip to be specific now to something that I want to be like working towards, towards the end of the trip, like uh, an example might not be the case, um, but like the direct version of our fame, say I was like, oh, I really want to, uh, put all my eggs in one basket and work for this to be training really specific for it now when it's probably going to become in season towards like, I don't know, like mid April or something mm. like, yeah, that'd be, yeah, it'd be, it just wouldn't be that helpful. Cause I've got obviously got a lot that I need to put into it, like working it wise um, yeah, and to be peaking almost on it when I arrive in terms of specificity with probably not be that helpful um so i think it's very much been like a more general base training phase uh that should hopefully get my work capacity up and generally just feel better equipped for the physicalities of things um uh uh, like i've definitely had themes um that will apply specifically to other things for example burden right and the power based movement patterns but it's been a much more general so yeah very different to how i was training when i spoke to you last um but it's been considered yeah that's thanks for sharing all that it's super interesting it sounds like burden of dreams and the experience you had on that and how that helped you that that boulder problem really seemed to shine a light on some of those weaknesses that you're just talking about so it sounds like that's still a guiding light in a way but you're just the last two months have been focusing on that weakness a lot more globally than just the specific moves on burden. And um, and it's interesting because as you were talking, I was like, oh man, you're cranking up the volume, you're training on bigger holds, you're working on power. Like, I hope this, I hope this doesn't um, uh, ruin you. I hope this doesn't like ruin your superpower, you know? And it's, it's so it's, it sounds like it hasn't. It's really cool to hear that you've been able to change the way you've been training, train higher volume, train on bigger holds. And then, uh, and then bring all that back to your style and see an improvement at everything across the board. I mean, that's ideal. So it sounds like the training went really well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I think I'll caveat it with like, um, when I talk about power, like more powerful training, like I'm still operating on small holds, but I think in the past, uh, when I do a when I'd create a climb or a project, which I'd work on during training, um, I'd often make the size of the hold the limiting factor. Yeah. Partly of that probably came from like mostly like mostly training on my home board where the size of the board is, or it's just shorter. Um, I mean, I love my home board, but like, it's like, it is just smaller. And so generally like 
you don't make massive moves, you make smaller moves. And so like kind of decreasing the hold size is kind of like the obvious direction to go. And maybe like I've been training in like, I've been training on like boards which aren't my own. And so like they're set by other people. Um, and so the holds are just like of a different size. Um, and so there just maybe aren't the options to like pull on things which are like really small, mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily bad for me. It's also good to like switch things up every now and again. Um, yeah, yeah. So harder, it sounds like harder moves, slightly better holds has kind of been the the theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. no, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's been a productive phase. Nice. I've been enjoying it. Well, let's dive into some listener questions here, because um, I promised a I, I promised my patrons a listener Q and A with you, and I've just uh, hogged the first twenty minutes of this <laughs> whole thing, like I do. Yeah, no. um, I, I want to quickly <laughs> say for everyone listening, I, it'd be so easy to just talk about Alfin for the entire conversation here. Um, you know, because because part of me wants to ask you like what what it was actually like to show up and try it, and did everything go as planned and everything? It sounds like it did, but um, I feel like I've been hanging out with you all morning because I just listened to your interview with Tom Randall um, that you published, like or that that you recorded like the day after you sent. So I'll just point yeah. people towards that episode if you want to listen to. Um, if you want to hear about Aiden's actual send of Alphane, and I loved, uh, I love the conversation that you and Tom had about your thoughts on the grade. And um, Tom made this awesome point in that conversation about like how w when something when you climb something really well and it feels relatively easy or it just goes really well. Um, it's tempting from the outside to think that that takes away from the difficulty, but it doesn't, you know, like sometimes hard things feel really hard when you do them. And sometimes hard things feel relatively smooth and, and they just, everything goes to plan when you do them. And I love that. It felt like, um, it felt like Tom was talking to me a little bit in that moment. Cause I, I relate to that a lot. Like a lot of my hardest sends have been when everything clicks and I climb it perfectly. And so I get, a, I get comments a lot. Like if I post in, uh, you know, a, a send video on, on on Instagram or something, people, sometimes friends will be like, oh, you can climb like three grades harder than this. And it's like, well, no, you're only seeing the one try where everything went perfectly. And I don't have room for anything to go less perfectly because then I fall off because I've, you know, I've tried it a lot and I've had a lot of those tries. So anyway, it sounds like that's how Alphane went for you. Um, all that to say, I just, I just really enjoyed that conversation with you and Tom and I'll link to it for people that want to hear more about Alphane. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no, I think it was a good point. Um, I actually, uh, I had a conversation, I had Drew, uh, Ruana on, um, I interviewed him a couple of days ago. Um, oh, nice. For the podcast. Yeah, for the podcast, uh, me and my friend Sam have been working on. And, um, we had a conversation. Careless talk, great. right? Yeah, yeah, that's one. Yeah, okay, the link, talk. to um, it again. Oh, cheers. Yeah, no, the episode's not out yet, but, um, it was a good, it was a good conversation with him. And we chatted a bit about grades in that, um, and I think we came to like a nice, uh, well, mutual agreement of like kind of the purpose of what grades are really in terms of like uh, almost like a shame of like how much they've become attached as like a concrete feature of a climb. Right. Um, yeah. And maybe challenging that idea and more like, because uh, obviously there's a necessity to grades, right? Like it needs to be, it's something which makes the difficulty of a climb relatable to the entire world somewhat um, and obviously it differs from place to place somewhat but like the whole idea of it is like to create something universal and like 
also helps like as in like a medium for inspiration uh, right. people knowing what they're about to try and like also people traveling to try things like people have an idea of what they can do um almost like basically in summary like a grade is a marker of like it could be like a marker of someone's experience or the, your expected experience on a climb uh and like uh maybe having too much like um of a concrete idea of what like uh, uh maybe challenging the idea that grade is like just something categorical and more like uh so yeah like i mean i got it was quite funny actually um when i first moved down to sheffield there's like a there's like a party in sheffield called um or the music like uh especially techno music uh the music scene and like uh climbing has been like quite closely linked in sheffield for like many years um and so every year there's like a techno party uh that's organized by the climbing works um uh in sheffield it's quite it's a funny night um just because it's just like it's like a night out in a club but it's all climbers um and it was flipping ridiculous how many times i was just i mean i went i went for a night out with some friends and was like just like i don't usually go out so it's kind of like a rare occasion uh a mate came up from london and we were just like having a party basically i was dancing and like kind of wasn't thinking about climbing at all and the amount of times people came up to me in the club and went so so is Alphane really 9A? Like, oh man, it was, was, was ridiculous. It sounds so it was annoying. Not, <laughs> was not the question you want. In, yeah, in the middle of the night out. But I thought this was a nice idea. Anyway, this discussion I had with Drew about like um, maybe challenging like how seriously we take that or like the value of it and like if something is to categorize an experience, maybe like maybe for anyone in the world going to try a climb alfane there's been controversy about whether it's 9a or 8c plus to be honest i don't really know like uh in personal opinion like i think if it were 9a it would probably be an easier one uh but it's certainly harder than the 8c pluses mm. in the local area uh so it makes sense uh with like the consistency of that grade but um yeah i mean i don't have that much experience but like basically the idea being that like for anyone who went to try it maybe they would have a equivalent like 9a experience or even if they didn't they'd have an 8c plus experience and like that's probably also a pretty good experience like <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter that much yeah totally yeah <laughs> well yeah you said something great in that conversation with tom you're like all this discussion all these questions that you get about the grade of alphane it like almost creates this retrospective stress. You know, you you had such a good experience on the climb and you enjoyed the climb for what it is. And, you know, discussing the grade doesn't change the rock at all. It doesn't change the moves. It doesn't change what you what you actually climbed, but it just creates this weird like stress to to think back of it in hindsight. And um I, I loved I loved that you shared that because it's just like, yeah, don't ruin this guy's experience. Like he did this badass climb. It looks beautiful, it looks amazing, it's hard who cares like yeah. d don't don't taint or or um yeah ruin that experience or take away from that experience in any way by by just trying to attach this concrete number to the thing um yeah so. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah i thought that was yeah. a great point okay um yeah, exactly I, i'm, I'm yeah, way off the rails questions. let's <laughs> let's <laughs> start questions yeah. okay questions. this one's I, I kind of broke these out into different categories and of course i do have a category called v18 slash futuristic projects so 
you know, whether or not we end up talking about grades in that conversation or just, um, you know, what the ceiling is as far as human potential, I think it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on some of that stuff. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, the first no, the like... first category is called fun. I just have one question from Peter. Peter writes, we all know that Aiden has bone crushing finger strength, but what about his baking? I'd like to hear his top three tips for baking great bread. Oh, wow. Bread. Yeah. I didn't know that that had caught on in the public eye about baking bread. Well, it hadn't for me. I was like, I have to trust that this is a thing that Aiden does because I, I haven't I haven't noticed it or, or, or seen this clip that he's referring to, but uh, I, it sounds like you do quite a bit of baking. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. But I got into, when I was first living in Sheffield, I was living in a house with a few people. Uh, it was in my gap year, so I just finished school um, uh, and was like, before I started university. And so the times when I wasn't training and climbing, uh, I had like some sp spare time and I had a hobby of baking and I got well into baking around that time. And it was really, it was kind of good because there was just like loads of people in the house. And so anything that I'd make, I'd, I pretty much bake something new like most days. Um, and anything I make would just be eaten straight away. And so it makes you popular with friends. So I got into <laughs> baking, but that was mostly like, that was mostly like sweet things. Um, and then subsequently, uh, when did I really get into making bread? Uh, during lockdown, uh, I, the classic, like, uh, yeah, lockdown, start sourdough, start a look after this little culture <laughs> nice. and, uh, uh, got into a routine. So that was like my role in the household, um, while everyone else had other chores, um, family, there was actually quite a few people, um, we were living with at the time that I was locked down with. Um, so I got into a habit of baking bread. Um, and I don't do sourdough now just because, uh, you need quite a lot of time for it. It takes like, it's like, well, it's kind of like not that much time, but like it's consistent time throughout the day. But I still like baking bread uh, and definitely for like crag snacks uh, or like crag lunches. It's something quite light, easy, not massively high fiber, uh, like kind of uh, easy carbs on a day out climbing. So usually when I'm on a trip, I will make bread rolls. Um, and okay, tips for baking, baking bread. I mean, I have my own recipes that I use, but I won't bore people running through that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I'd say for consistency, something easy and quick. I mean, I do a no need overnight one, which uh, is generally my go-to just because of like how quick it is. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, varieties you... of spice life, switch things up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Would you be willing to share the recipe for that one? I can link to it for people. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I pretty much eyeball it. But, um, <laughs> could, That's amazing. I'm That's quite, surprising. I'm quite intuitive with my uh, <laughs> bread making these days. Yeah. Uh, but usually because I switch up the ratios, you know, just it's quite nice to um, have a bit of variety of the types of flour I use. But yeah, it's mm. usually... Um, you actually, to be fair, it's probably easier for people in the US because you use volume when you measure stuff out. Um, what do you do? Uh, in the UK, it's usually grams uh, uh, like a scale. in recipes, but uh, I don't usually use a scale. Um, I usually just use like, a, I mean, you use cups, but I'll use any vessel and just do like for 
one part water, two part flowers. Uh, and then, I mean, I usually have a rough formula of how much yeast and salt and I use a bit of sugar in there. And, uh, but then, like, yeah, just mix it up, like, kind of develop glutens, like, f by, like, uh, stretch and rest for, like, and 15-minute increments before bed, leave it in the fridge overnight, or <laughs> if I'm in a van, outside the van where it's a bit colder. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then, yeah, shape and bake. <laughs> nice. Has your yeah, bread... bread has your bread dough ever been stolen by a by a critter or by another van lifer or something? No, not not thus far. Nice. You're <laughs> doing, doing all right. But yeah, that'll happen someday. <laughs> He's got his starter yeah. outside the van. Let's go yeah. steal it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, baking bread. Just uh, no, I like um, yeah, I like making food though. Like. Uh, but I'm mostly yeah, I've always I've always quite liked it. It's like a way I connect with people. And mm, I like making yeah. food for people, and uh, it's a sociable thing as well. And just yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess bread's been part of that. Nice. Do you have an <laughs> oven in your van? Yeah. Well, I've I actually don't have it. I don't have one in at the moment, but I've got one which I uh, need to install. Mm. Um, so hopefully, try and get that in before Switzerland. Man, the smell of fresh baked bread in the van. That sounds dreamy. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's switch categories here. This is the V18 slash futuristic projects category. And this is just one question from Cameron, but it, um, but it ties into what something I was really excited to talk to you about, which is it sounds like after sending Alphane, that happened pretty early on your trip and you still had a few weeks left to climb. Um, it sounds like you had a chance to try some really, really hard, potentially next level, uh, you know, futuristic projects with Sean and, and whoever else was around, which which sounds really cool. I'd love to hear about that. Um, but yeah, this question is from Cameron. Cameron writes, I'm fascinated by the idea of whether there is truly a ceiling to human potential in hard climbing. Drew Ruana talked about V18 being near the limit of human potential and mentioned that it would likely come in the form of more endurance-oriented boulders, for example, V15 into V16 with virtually no rest, rather than something featuring a V17 or V18 move or sequence. Um, and that was a conversation I had with Drew on, on the nugget. What is Aiden's view on whether there is a ceiling to how hard humans can climb? Will we continue to see bouldering grades progress indefinitely, or will we reach a threshold that can't be surpassed? If he does believe there's a threshold, where does he think we now lie in relation to that threshold? Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. Um, I think we're so far away from it, but like not in like a pessimistic way, in like quite an inspired way, I guess. Um, interesting in terms of uh, Drew's idea on... Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that free teaser with Aiden. Once again, the full version of this bonus episode is two hours and 53 minutes. We covered many, many interesting topics. I really loved this round two with Aiden and it was fun to ask him a bunch of great questions from you guys, from patrons who support the show. So if you want to check that out, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app. It takes just a few minutes to sign up, and you can cancel at any time. 
no questions asked. And if you'd rather watch the video version of this interview, I put that on Patreon uncut. You can watch the uncut interview in video format as well. So all of that is available right now. The link's right there in your podcast app. And Patreon is what keeps us going over here at The Nugget. It's the main way that we get support. So I really appreciate your help and I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, thanks for checking out the teaser. I hope you sign up and we'll see you next time. Like we do it.